Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. I'm going to be your host for this week. My name's Elliot. I'm joined in the studio, well, the virtual studio, by Doug, Erica, and Tip. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hi. We also have on the ones and twos, we have Damien today. Hi, Damien. Yo. (laughs) Right, yeah, so uh, today's topic... Um, we couldn't. We didn't really have a choice to speak about anything else. Mm. You can probably guess what it is, um, and it's interesting because I was saying before the show, I was thinking today in preparation for this show, we did a uh, we did a, another show on this a couple of weeks ago, maybe last month, and it's on the coronavirus. Um, and at that point, I don't think anyone, uh, whether it be the host, myself, or the listeners, I don't think anyone could have really anticipated. Um, how how things have gone. Uh, things have really heated up in many ways. Um, and I'm not talking about the severity of the so-called pandemic. I think anyone with um, half a brain cell, if they actually get into the topic, can, can, can understand the concept that actually perhaps the coronavirus, as is being, um, as we're being told, by the health authorities is not actually all as bad as they're saying it is. It turns out there's many dissenting voices, not only among the general public, but also among the academia, uh, (laughs) research scientists, world-leading epidemiologists, pathologists, virologists, all kinds of ologists who specialize (laughs) in infections, in in pathology, and in kind of public health are coming out and saying, quite clearly that the measures, the social measures that are being implemented, economic measures, essentially the whole world is pretty much on lockdown, aside from a couple of countries. And now these measures are um, not, they're not justified Mm -hmm. in relation to the severity of of, of the coronavirus. In fact, if we look at the numbers of deaths, um, and it's still relatively low, even if we're going from the official numbers, but actually, if we're looking at the numbers, um, there are many professionals um, who who are kind of well-trained to interpret numbers like these um, are coming out and saying quite, quite openly that the numbers that we see in the media that we're being told by the health authorities are likely being inflated in many ways. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about this kind of stuff. But, but ultimately, um, yeah, I'd just like to say, you know, personally, these past couple of weeks, I've been relatively flabbergasted and it feels a little bit like we're living in a bit of a dream. All right. What was that? That wasn't wasn't me. Somebody's asleep on the ones and twos. (laughs) Well, that was weird. Just like this entire situation. And I'm with you, Elliot. Things have moved so fast. It's like we have entered into an entirely new reality. And this makes 9-11 look like uh, little kids playing in a sandbox. Yeah. But when you were talking about all the epidemiologists and the virologists and all those other ologists who are saying that the response is kind of overblown, I mean, they're also saying, for the most part, that this COVID-19, I should say the novel coronavirus, as they keep ramming down our throats, how novel it is, and especially want to point out how it came from Wuhan. But at any rate, 
most of them say that the coronavirus is not necessarily lethal. Of course, you know, older people, people with pre-existing health conditions should take precautions. But a lot of them are saying that it's no worse than an actual flu. Mm -hmm. And in the U.S., at least, we have Dr. Anthony Fauci. He looks like a little jockey. He should be riding the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Uh, he actually backtracked on his own predictions, and he was saying that this is no worse than the flu, yet he gets up on television in front of President Trump every day during their briefings and is talking about how we have to take all of these measures in order to protect the people in the country. And he secretly, in a journal where you know the average person is not going to read it, said that this is no worse than the flu, and he overestimated his numbers as far as how many people are going to die. Yeah. So, yeah. It seems this is strange clear. times we're living in. Yeah, absolutely. It seems pretty clear that there's um, some kind of agenda being propagated. And, I mean, you know, that sounds like tinfoil hat kind of stuff, but <clears throat> I'm not necessarily saying that the the virus, you know, was bioengineered or that the virus doesn't exist or whatever the case may be. I know there's a lot of different stuff out there, but you can't really deny that people are people. The mm. elite are using this to their advantage in ways. Um, you know, the whole idea that there is basically this like medical martial law going on right now to varying degrees, you know, you don't have a, an official um, definition of martial law um, necessarily, but you know, basically, like forcing everybody to stay in their houses, only letting them out for essential things, and doing all kinds of like really ridiculous authoritarian things, making people jump through these hoops. And like, you know, in France, you have to do, you have to fill out a, a form to be able to leave your house, but like you're filling out the form yourself. So it's like you're giving yourself <laughs> permission to leave the house. Like, Anyway, it just seems like, you know, there, there's so much here to unpack, but it's basically like, it, it seems like there is an agenda being being instituted right now. And it's the kind of thing we've been talking well, about for ages, and now it's here. Well, and you're right, Doug, there is an agenda. Um, in 2014, it was called the Global Health Security Agenda. And it was basically like the U.S. Health and Human Services, the World Health Organization, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, GABI, the Global Alliance for Vaccinations and Immunizations, and health officials from uh, dozens of countries. And they basically created a health security agenda for the world. And they l laid out... Uh, their plans. And one of their top plans is to basically vaccinate the entire population, drive changes in national legislation to do so. And we've been seeing that. I mean, on the show, we've been doing the show for about five years and we've been documenting all these different legislative changes that are happening, at least in the United States and places like Italy and, mm -hmm. you know, and then other countries that aren't buying into that. But, um, they basically use arguments of quote unquote health emergencies and security threats to do so. And when they do that, they bypass informed consent laws and constitutional rights. And so we see like back in 2014, and we covered this topic about the measles scare at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. This was um, kind of the beginning of this agenda. 
where they went after vaccine exemptions, especially in California. And then in 2016, President Obama signed major U.S. funding for this global health security agenda with the Bill Gates Foundation. So you're right. Exactly. It is an agenda and we're watching it play out almost exactly how they outlined it. And, you know, for some time you feel like you're a tinfoil hat wearing person when you're like, oh my gosh, this vaccine thing is just getting so crazy. And you start to kind of question your own sanity. And then this happens and you're like, okay, maybe I wasn't so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, totally. There is um, an article actually that kind of is good at um, kind of giving a rundown of all that stuff that you were just talking about, Erica. Um, it was on uh, Children's Health Defense, um, and it was called "Does the Coronavirus Pandemic Serve a Global Agenda?" And they go into a lot of yeah, that kind of backstory and and stuff like that. So I don't know, Damien, if you can pull it up, but. Um, um, Got anyway. a bunch here. I'm trying to find. <laughs> okay. Well, there uh, was an article that was posted on SOT today uh, called "Did Bill Gates Just Reveal the Reason Behind the Lockdowns?" And during an interview, one of the weird things that he said was, "We don't want a lot of recovered people." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like with Bill Gates, I can't tell if like he, these are just gaffes that he makes. You know, like maybe he's got a little bit of Biden in him. And he like uh, once in a while think, spits something out that maybe uh, isn't quite right because he said that whole thing too about how vaccination will help with uh, population control. And I know mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. the conspiracy uh, realists kind of jumped on that pretty hard. Um, and well, but, they but should I, have. Yeah, yeah. But I'm always just kind of th- like, did he really mean that or like? But I think I think that you're probably right. It's kind of like. I th- I think that if if you're a Bill Gates, you're richer than practically everybody else on the planet. You, no one is above you. You're kind of above the law. You have all of these philanthropic organizations. People give you this platform. You can just express yourself. I'm sure to make it to the head of an organization, you got to be kind of cutthroat. So he probably has a fairly high opinion of himself. And so he's just given free reign to just talk and talk and talk. Mm-hmm. It seems like every once in a while, he's going to let something slip <laughs> about how he really feels. <laughs> Nobody can keep that tight of a rein on their psychopathy at all yeah. times. Well, yeah, and in that article that you were just talking about, actually, that um, the one about Bill Gates, it said in that that he is treated like a head of state when he goes mm-hmm. to like these different things, like at the G twenty or you know wherever it is he's going, he's basically mm-hmm. like he he gets the the royal treatment, so to speak. Yeah, well, another thing that he said, which is the agenda or one of the agendas, uh, he said that eventually what we'll have to have is certificates of who's a recovered person, who's a vaccinated person, because you don't want people moving around the world while you have some countries that won't have it under control, sadly. You don't want to completely block off the ability for people to go there and come back and move around. So eventually there will be this digital immunity proof that will help facilitate the global reopening up. So in other words, if you don't have your certificate, you cannot participate in the global economy or the global structure in any way. You can't travel, you can't work, maybe you can't buy or sell. I mean, Mm. is this the mark of the beast? 
I don't know. I've sure. had my uh, my tinfoil hat pretty much stapled on top of my head <laughs> for the last month. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, like, sorry, go ahead, Elliot. I was just going to say, it sure seems that if these kind of, um, you know, these globalists, these psychos at the top, if they got their way, then um, then I think that they, they would make it mandatory for, I mean, it looks like they're trying to make it mandatory. Mm-hmm. vaccination and all kind of um highly organized into an electronic system uh, an electronic database like the an international database mm-hmm. whereby um yeah if you fall if if you don't if you don't fall in line then um mm-hmm. then you can quite easily be uh be completely you know, isolated from, from society. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're going to have to try too hard because the fear surrounding this is just exactly. It's like nothing anybody has ever seen. People are just going to be begging for it. It's Mm -hmm. quite stunning actually to see the number of people just on social media and things like that, who are essentially begging for tighter controls, you know, Mm -hmm. begging for a police state essentially. Not even a police state, police planet, prison mm-hmm. planet. I, th- I think that after a while, because they keep, you know, first, oh, it'll just be two weeks. So now it'll just be to the end of the month. Oh, maybe it'll be till, you know, one more month. And then around where I live, schools are closed until the end of the year. And that's June. I think that they're going to keep pushing this out, pushing it out, trying to create a buzz and a demand for their vaccine. People are going to be so fed up with everything that's going on. They will do anything <laughs> to make it stop. Get <laughs> Please just make it stop. I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> now, if you, maybe we should all put another layer of tinfoil on here, but uh, <laughs> one thing that I've seen being chatted about quite a bit with this whole tracking um is the whole idea of being chipped, right? Like putting mm-hmm. the chip in, what do they say in the Bible, in your wrist or your forehead or something like that? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it does kind of, you know, the whole um, social credit system that they have going on in, uh, in China, um, it kind of seems like they've already rolled out sort of this level of control there. Um, to mm-hmm. an extent, but it's still done through the phones, right? It's not, uh, mm. they haven't been implanting chips in anybody yet. But, you know, you see that they are working on this kind of stuff. Like, you've seen the chips. You know, I saw one thing where some guy, I think he was in Sweden or something like that, he went and got himself a chip and then was showing on <laughs> video how great it was because he could go and, like, you know, scan his his wrist and uh, and pay for his uh, coffee at a coffee shop or something like that. So, yeah, not have, a, have to open the door at his office. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just, so yeah. convenient. So worth yes. it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen, but it's kind of like all these, uh, like, you know, back in, I don't know, like 10, 15 years ago or something, there used to be the crazy, a crazy lady. Well, I called her a crazy lady, but maybe she wasn't. And she would stand <laughs> on the corner giving out these things saying, don't get the mark of the beast, 666. Don't let yourself be implanted with a chip. And, you know, everybody just thought, okay, this woman is just kind of, you know, schizophrenic or something like that. But I got to go find that lady because uh, <laughs> she, clearly, uh, she clearly had the inside scoop. No, is it just me or... Did I read something about having the chip in a vaccine? I've been reading so much that, about this. Yeah. Did That's anybody else think that? That's what I was thinking, Tiff, because I was reading this article 
called Why We're Focused on the Coronavirus Pandemic, The Real Dangerous Agenda ID 2020. And basically, it's like an alliance of public-private partners, including the UN, civil society, and it's an electronic ID program that uses generalized vaccination as a platform for digital identity. And the Mm. program harnesses existing birth registration and vaccination operations to provide newborns with a portable and persistent biometrically linked digital identity. Gavi, which is Bill Gates, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations, um, describes itself as a public-private partnership, again, dedicated to immunization for all. So I think you're right, Tiff. I don't even think they need to inject, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, to give you a chip. Mm -hmm. They'll just have a nanoparticle in the up-and-coming vaccine and that will be your chip it could be that Mm. easy just from what we've researched for this show in the past i don't even think it's going to be like they implant it into your skin it's just going to be in the vaccine that's my Mm. tinfoil hat theory (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean it it looks like at least in the united states they're definitely pushing for this mandatory vaccine and there's there's kind of various types of laws i think it is being proposed in different mm-hmm. states in the u.s so there was a um, uh, an individual named barbara low fisher um and she wrote an article uh, talking about this very um this very thing and she's talking about how essentially there's different states where what they're trying to do is eliminate the um vaccine exemptions or they're trying to re- lower the um or higher the um that make it more difficult for you to get an exemption essentially so Mm -hmm. they're saying that if it's based on religious belief it doesn't count um and they're trying to make it very difficult for physicians to grant medical exemptions so according to uh their kind of criteria for what would um allow someone to get uh, an exemption you know previously it would have been okay if yourself or a family member had previously had an an adverse event ad- adverse vaccine reaction then that would allow you to kind of uh get exemption because of kind of you know family trauma or simply because you know you're likely one of these sensitive individuals who is going to react negatively to the vaccine but apparently according to the laws that are being proposed they're saying that no even if you have had um, even if you had have, have had a previous adverse reaction to a vaccine, that it still doesn't make you exempt from getting the new vaccine and you mm-hmm. will still it's be required to get the new vaccine. Um, and so they're making it impossible for doctors. I mean, they're trying to basically outlaw vaccine exemptions by the looks of things. Um, and she was also talking about how what they're doing is is uh, one of them is is state laws are requiring schools to publicly post vaccine coverage rates for the purpose of shaming schools that allow students with vaccine exemptions to receive to receive a school education. So essentially, yeah, they get, they're going to make all of the schools publish their vaccination rate, and then the ones that don't have a hundred percent are you know obviously going to get kind of publicly shamed and then probably either get into line or go out of business. And so Mm. it seems that actually they're going to make it, you know, very difficult, if not practically impossible for the majority of people to get around this. If they want to have things like healthcare, if they want to leave the country, if they, you know, if they, if they want to work, 
you know, all of this, other, all of this kind of stuff, the stuff that human beings generally need to do to like live. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it seems like they're making it very difficult. Well, in this case, uh, my body, my choice doesn't matter. But if you want to have an abortion, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But uh, I mean, even if there was no vaccine or even if they had a vaccine that actually worked and vaccines did work in this you know, magical world we're picturing, <laughs> even without all of that, there are still police state measures. Like even if no one comes to your door and jams a needle in your arm. You can be arrested for violating quarantine. You can be tested against your will. And what will happen if you test positive? Are they going to take you someplace? Mm. Or are they going to force you to stay in your house? Are what your neighbors FEMA camps for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so even if they don't force vaccines, there's still plenty of ways they can make your life a living hell for not towing the line. Well, even guess, here in the United States, this whole, you know, bailout and each person is going to get $1,200, you know, so how do we know that that's not going to be contingent upon you meeting special medical requirements? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, several commentators have already, you know, have, have highlighted how, you know, if this doesn't go on as it currently is, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, this Corona stuff might calm down, that the general public has now been primed to accept okay. this. And, and it's almost like, you know, the authorities, so they must be laughing, you know, they really must be laughing because they know that they've got the public by the bull, so to speak. Um, and that actually you have the average person or the majority of people kind of begging for tighter measures right so we have self-policing something that you'd read out of a kind of uh, communist russia or nazi germany journal you know Uh, sebastian hefner if that's his name i think it was who wrote the book uh, defying hitler you know he wrote about the kind of social dynamics that were occurring well that's what we've seen over the past couple of weeks especially in the uk we've seen um members of the public generally grassing, snitching on their neighbors, uh, previous, who, who they had previously fr- friendly relations with, um, actually calling the police over leaving o- over their neighbors going for one extra session of exercise or yeah. taking their job for a walk a second time, right? That's how crazy this has gone. People have gone very much hysteric, hysterical. They've become somewhat kind of insane to, to, to a large extent. I read a story about a, a woman who turned in her own son because he was mm. defying quarantine and he ended up getting some massive fine or something like that. It's like, thanks, mom. But yeah, I mean, the, it, it, it is insane. And that's one, thing that, that, that's one thing that really has actually surprised me is that mm. the, just the, the amount of authoritarian personalities that we're actually surrounded by all the time. The people who mm. are actually like eating this up who actually are yeah. really like they want these tight controls. They want, you know, to, to, to kind of sit on their, their high horse and rat everybody out because, you know, while I'm, you know, I'm obeying the quarantine measures. Why isn't that person? I'm going to call the police on them. You know, Oh, that's his second jog. It's, it's just, yeah. And it, it, it I actually find it quite shocking. Like people who I previously thought had a good head on their shoulders and now have kind of revealed themselves to, be complete authoritarian followers. Well, there was an incident in Maine. Mm. 
Uh, if you could pull this up, this is a CNN article, Damien. It's from March the 30th. Armed vigilantes blocked a neighbor's driveway with a tree to force him into quarantine. So this guy said he went out to check on his cable box and he saw the tree blocking his driveway. And then a neighbor started yelling at him and some more people showed up and they were gathering around. And he said he ran and told his roommates, but they thought that this guy should be in quarantine. So they decided that they were going to take matters into their own hands and try to stop him from leaving the house. That is unreal. Yeah. Well, in Kentucky, there's another one. Um, let's see. There was a guy, because I guess the United States patient zero was supposed to have been in Kentucky. Um, and at the time of this article, and this was April the 4th, there were 37, 37 whole people died in the entire state of Kentucky. <laughs> and now they're requiring that people who are ordered into quarantine have to wear ankle bracelets. Oh. They're prisoners, basically. Oh, my God. I mean, so I heard them people say, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, this will never happen. The United States will never become a police state. And, you know, this, the things will go back to normal. No, <laughs> it's not normal. I had, never will well, be. that's what's kind of, kind of scary about it in the U.S. too, is that, mm -hmm. you know, you think about martial law and you think about troops on the street and, you know, gas stations, stores, but really people are just doing, they're, they're, quarantining themselves they're self-isolating self they're turning people in they're being erratic in their thinking and their actions so really you don't necessarily even need troops on the ground don't. to see how the agenda plays out i mean just these stories that you shared tiffany is like you know americans taking control of the situation it's like that is just bound to lead to more unrest and upheaval you know mm -hmm. well yeah if you listen or uh, read the mainstream news at all like a lot of their stories have this focus on well this person you know they didn't social distance or this group of teenagers went down to spring break and they came back and they had coronavirus yeah. you know it's all this kind of thing like where people are shaming each other like there was this clip that was going around where a guy in Brooklyn was standing on his balcony yelling at people to go in the house, you know, as if he has any authority over anybody's lives. But, you know, this kind of thing is happening more and more and more. But the media helps it out by having a theme of news stories where the, the, the major takeaway point is to shame these people for not towing the line. Well, even uh, Paul Joseph Watson's latest video was basically mm. just shaming people for not show, social distancing. I mean, this guy's mm. like supposed to be like some kind of counterculture, like rebel, and he's like <laughs> he's on he's on there just shaming people for not social distancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when he made fun of Ebola so hard, like if you listen to some of his <laughs> Ebola videos back in two, four, 2014, you know he was totally ragging on that entire situation. But for this one, yeah. His no, tune a, has changed. He has a, fing a finger wagger. Mm -hmm. Well, you wonder why people switch like that so quickly. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. how they can go from being rational thinking to what we were talking about before the show, like essentially contracting a mind virus mm -hmm. where all of a sudden paranoia, 
paranoid thinking takes over and all like kind of common sense goes out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the real scary part about it mm-hmm. is like people that you would normally think have common sense, like are pretty informed. It, all of a sudden it's like you see it spreading Mm-hmm. In, in, you know, quote unquote, normal people or whatnot. I mean, I think that's the biggest concern is if it's going to continue to go that direction, you know. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the, in the UK, you have um, you have different constituencies, different police forces in different areas who have taken a little bit of a different stance on this. They they um, yes, yeah, some are a little bit more authoritarian than than others right you have you mm-hmm. have an area of the uk derbyshire which has gotten um their police force has gotten quite a bit of bad attention over the past couple of weeks because they've really hit their population quite hard um they were shaming publicly shaming people um there's a quite a lovely area in the uk where there's a like a, a mountain range and um or some lovely hills. It's called the Peak District, and it's a beautiful area with lots of lovely scenery. And so, what what they were doing was using drones um, and actually uh, videoing people going for walks, videoing cars parked in the in the in the nature reserve kind of thing, um, and and kind of publicly publicly shaming them for that. And there's a particular area. It's called the Blue Lagoon. And it's well known, and it gets kind of many tourists and things. It's the water is is kind of pristine sky blue color. It's absolutely beautiful. If you, you look at a picture of it, it's you know it's it's an amazing sight. And so, what what did they do? Well, they got some black dye, and they <laughs> they dyed it. They dyed it black to stop people from going to going to see it. Hmm. And it's 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 fundamentally illogical as well because. Because the nature of going for a long walk in nature, you're oftentimes you're not near anyone else, right? You are fundamentally social dis- distancing. So it's very much a contradictory idea. They're saying mm-hmm. that you should not be around other people. But at the same time, when, you know, someone is out in nature, it kind of, it, 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 from what I can see, it highlights that this, this isn't about social distancing. This is about no. control. Absolutely. This is about exactly. people being inside and and the authorities taking full control of human beings, of what they're doing, where they are, what they're listening to. This is not about social distancing. It's not, you know, it, the narrative is about protecting people, protecting, but, you know, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the path, you know, what's the saying? The path to hell is paved with good intentions kind of thing well i don't even think that these authorities have good intentions in many no. cases i think they are literally just trying to exert as much control on the general public in the name of good in the, in the name of safety and yeah. it makes me sick yeah i agree it's kind of like i i heard about i don't remember where it was but there was some place where they had mandated what types of sports you could do and like if it was a sport mm-hmm. in which you were moving forward that was allowed because you were kind of going forward. But if it's any kind of sport where you're stationary, that's not allowed. And it's like, what? show me one piece of evidence that that would be effective. Like one piece of evidence at all. Like, I think if you were to sit down and, and talk to the ridiculous bureaucrats who are coming up with these kinds of things and said, okay, you show me some evidence that that's effective. 
you know, even mm-hmm. all the, the stuff, like the social distancing stuff, like why two meters, you know, or before it was <laughs> yeah. one, 1. 1.5, why? Apparently a sneeze can travel eight meters. So why, why mm-hmm. two meters? How did you come up with that number? What's the evidence for that? I bet there, I bet there oh. isn't any. I bet that they're honestly just doing it. Like you were saying, Elliot, it isn't about protecting anyone. It's about mm-hmm. control. Like just controlling people, making them jump through these ridiculous hoops. Yeah. Well, you notice during their press conferences, they're all standing up there together, not social yeah. distancing at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't You're take not it seriously. <laughs> no, it's like that guy, that politician. He was like the, I think he's the health minister in, uh, was it Australia or New Zealand? I think it was New Zealand. And like mm-hmm. while he's on TV telling everybody that they have to stay inside and don't go out and do any sports because if you get injured, then you're going to be drawing resources away from medics. Um, they catch him going out for a freaking like two kilometer uh, or two kilometers from his home going mountain biking. <laughs> so like, you know, he's wagging the finger at everybody else. You all have to do this, but no, not him. He's uh, he's part mm-hmm. of the elite. It's like, well, the rules aren't for us. They're for you, mm-hmm. for the cattle. Yeah, I guess in California, uh, down in Los Angeles, a guy was out on the ocean on a stand-up paddleboard, and the Coast Guard uh, handcuffed him and and arrested him, you know, even though he was in the middle of the ocean by himself. Do you know how many dolphins he was endangering being out there? It's unbelievable. Well, in Massachusetts... I think this story is from today from Fox News. Three Massachusetts golfers arrested for violating Rhode Island coronavirus quarantine order. So some guys <sighs> thought that they would have a little fun and go out for some golf. Um, I don't think they're, yeah, they were driving in a car with Rhode Island license plates because apparently a while back there was this thing about a bunch of New Yorkers trying to escape to Rhode Island. Rhode Island was trying to crack down on that. <laughs> but those, these guys, they went to a McDonald's afterwards and the employees called the police on them. Oh, my God. <laughs> they got arrested. Oh, my God. Like, what is it in a person that turns them into a rat like that? Is it just because they're scared? <laughs> is that why? Or are they getting some kind of like sadistic pleasure out of this? I think it's both. <laughs> yeah, I think it's times like these that really bring out the true nature of people mm-hmm. um, and people who you previously thought like we were talking about some of the so-called alternatives, you know, people who have uh, commented, you know, kind of on um, politics, geopolitics on the, the state of the world in the past. And you've actually seemed to have a rational take on how things actually work seems that even many people who you expected better of turns mm-hmm. out that they are very much kind of authoritarian followers themselves, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they start to feel the heat. And that's the thing is that you can comment on events occurring 5,000 miles across the world in another country in the Middle East and seem mm-hmm. to have your head straight. But as soon as you think that something's coming for you and potentially endangering you, mm-hmm. you start to show your true colors. So yeah. I think that that might be what, is going on i mean for the average member of the kind of public uh i mean that yeah it's it's scary to see how many people openly welcome this and actually I, i've you know previously I've, I've found it very difficult to kind of conceptualize or understand or get to grips with a situation like nazi germany and how that could 
play out in real life, how people, how the G German society could go from being relatively normal and stable, and of course they have their economic upheavals and things, to actually over the space of a couple of years get to a point where they were you know, openly Nazi and it's supporting Hitler and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, you can see that actually, um, I mean, there's a lot of people who I think if you'd have transported them 80 years back, they'd be Nazis. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. It's the same psychological dynamic, the same mm -hmm. underpinning authoritarianism that really is quite disturbing. People who you really, you know, you, you live with essentially in your communities. Um, in your own house. <laughs> Yeah. And there's that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in the case of the mom who reported her son. Yeah. But if there's anything about this whole situation, it's really highlighting the fact that the whole left, rights, black, white paradigm doesn't mean squat. Right. It's about who you are on the inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know, if your politics are left leaning or right leaning, there's right wing conservative people who were you know, previously thought of as, you know, knowing a lot and really being on the right side of history who are completely fallen to this virus, mm -hmm. the fear virus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You haven't heard a whole lot of uh, stories about woke stuff going on lately. <laughs> one actually, one kind of plus side of all this stuff. I haven't heard anything uh, about like bathrooms or genders or anything no. like that in quite some time. Well, it's another amazing. plus it's side like that of this. stuff isn't important. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the other day, another plus side of this, even though I totally am against any laws uh, limiting the freedom of assembly, but at least we don't have to deal with those Extinction Rebellion douchebags anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greta's been awfully quiet, too. <laughs> There's but, been some really funny memes. Sorry, sorry, yeah. I didn't know you were going to say. I was just going to say there's been some excellent memes about it's true. Greta. <laughs> but you know they're using this whole crisis to push through a lot of environmental uh, policies that they were trying to get through before. You know, you see a lot of comments about oh the animals are returning to nature. Yeah, and, you know, the water is cleaner. Yeah. The air is cleaner. The CO2 levels are going down. It's almost like, <clears throat> again, uh, put yet another layer of tinfoil on. It's almost like they tried to kind of institute things from an environmental perspective and like, you know, try and corral people into this kind of police state type thing using mm -hmm. the environmental aspect. And it didn't really work because, mm -hmm. you know, some people out there care a lot about that kind of stuff. Some people just don't give a shit. And this, though, is kind of like the next step. And it's like, well, it's kind of like a, a like like forcing it, right? It's kind of like, mm. well, you didn't stop uh, flying and uh, become vegetarian when uh, we told you it was going to slave the planet, so now we're just going <laughs> to lock you in your house. Well, well, you know what? So you, you say that because the EPA suspended enforcement of, of environmental laws am amid this virus. So, uh, you know, the, yeah, they issued a sweeping suspension of its enforcement of environmental laws, telling companies they would not need to meet environmental standards during this coronavirus outbreak. Uh, the temporary policy has no end date, which will allow a number of industries to skirt environmental laws. So huh. that's and that's a 
Well, I always question myself whether these big environmentalists really care about the earth as much as they say they do, uh, or if their bigger problem was human beings themselves. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this will really bring that, you know, out to the forefront. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the things. Um, yeah, I mentioned mentioned it briefly earlier, but the the kind of willingness, the the seeing how how the population at large has has welcomed these kind of draconian measures, this basically martial law, right? I mean, it, it is essentially very much martial law in many places. Yeah, they just don't use that language. They use no. softer language. Yeah, but I mean if you compare the two, they've you know, we're essentially mm -hmm. living in lockdown kind of thing. Yeah. Um so to see how 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 easily it was to get people to openly welcome that and kind of beg for beg for stricter measures. Um even if this doesn't play out, right? Even if this does not play out and if everything calms down, which I'm not sure that it will or you know, it's it's hard to say what's mm. going to happen over the next couple of months. It keep, reality really keeps you on your toes. But let's say that it, things do calm down. It would be very easy in the future now with any kind of event, you know, whether mm. it's a supposed terrorist threat, whether it is a, some kind of weather event, whether it's another viral outbreak or some other kind of infection, we now have all of the measures in place. You know, the governments know that people will toe the line, you know, mm -hmm. they will get in line immediately yeah. and they will happily kind of, you know, isolate themselves and, and police themselves. And so really it's really, it's lowered the, lowered the bar, you know, actually yeah. now it's easily accessible for them whenever they want to, they can just drill this out again. You know, mm -hmm. like the requirements have come right down and everyone's accepted it. It's now kind of the new norm. So and they've said that several times and many articles I've seen written. This is now the new normal. This yeah. is the mm -hmm. new normal, new mm -hmm. normal, new normal. They're really drilling that into us. Yeah, because even when things go back to normal, they probably won't actually go back to normal. Like a lot of these measures yeah. that are being instituted right now, it's kind of like they're going to be like, well, it's actually pretty handy having everybody in their house all the time and needing a permission mm -hmm. slip to go out. So maybe we'll just keep that one one aspect and maybe we'll just keep this other aspect as well. And maybe we'll just keep this other one. So there might be a return to some semblance of, of normalcy, but I think that you're going to see a lot of these things that didn't exist pre-COVID are going to continue to exist post-COVID. Uh, that's, you know, that's just the way things are. Like, that's that's the way it yeah. goes. I mean, the same thing happened well, with 9-11 and, yeah. Well, my theory is, I mean, since the economy is just over, I think that's probably going to be one of the biggest ramifications from this whole COVID crisis. Yeah. There's millions of people out of work. And... People are going to be thrown into poverty. There's going to be riots. There's going to be bank runs. Um, but I think that if things do lighten up just a little bit, might give us a little breathing room, and then they'll squeeze back down. Oh, we have a number of cases over here in this area. We're going to have to go right back into quarantine. So we'll do that for a little while, and then they'll let it back up, and then they'll squeeze it back down. <laughs> That's my tinfoil hat. <laughs> over and over and over again. Like a boot stamping on your face forever. 
or your neck who said that orwell orwell yeah <laughs> yeah um very just very disturbing we definitely live in crazy times don't we yeah 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 um, so I expect to see more arrests, more people getting ankle bracelets, more people snitching on each other. Um, yeah. 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 And one of the, you know, with these, the language around it all has just gotten so bizarre. Like all of a sudden everyone is using even the word social distancing, you know what I mean? As opposed to social isolation, right? Mm -hmm. So you just really see how all of a sudden people are using all these new terms that weren't used before. And um, I'm going to be the optimist. I'm going to be the optimist here. And I'm going to say, I think certain communities, especially more rural based communities are not buying it you know mm -hmm. they're not they're not going to swallow this without some sort of pushback you know what i mean mm -hmm. i really do i really i really think that uh especially in southern states where people are armed and you know they're um not integrated into big city centers. I think people are going to see that this is all manufactured in a way that's not for their best benefit. Yeah. All the preppers and the anti-vaxxers and hopefully those people are, they're going to stand strong. Yeah, because, because like in the state of North Carolina, getting back to what you were talking about earlier, Elliot, before they did the quarantine that went, was instituted last week, Monday, they closed all the national parks. And I just was like, this is crazy. Like, there's nobody ever at the national parks. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres. Why would they close the national park? And then two days later, they put everyone, you know, the um, essential travel only, like we're farmers. So we, have, we were able to get a permit from the Department of Ag for anybody working on the farm. So if you get stopped mm. and asked for your papers, you, you know, you have to show that you're an essential service, but, you know, papers, please. I mean, who would have thought in 2020 that what we had been talking about for so many years would come to pass? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, on the topic of kind of um, the economy, I, I have very little knowledge about economics. I'm not even going to pretend to just, you know, talk like I know anything about it. But at the same time, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or an economist to see that this is, you know, this is potentially economic suicide. Mm. I mean, there are that many people who've already felt yes. the brunt of it. I mean, there was a very good kind of analysis the other day. I'm not sure. I think it was from James Corbett, who says the damage has already been done. It doesn't matter, you know, just a longer lockdown is, yeah, I mean, that's going to make things worse. It, it kind of compacts the issue. But actually, the damage is is already done and and potentially it's not going to rear its ugly head for maybe a month maybe two months or whatever but the effects on the economy on society as a whole you know they might take a, a little while uh, to show their faces but it's definitely going to have some serious repercussions and we're likely all going to be affected in it in ways that we probably don't know mm -hmm. now aside from that aspect of it, I mean, looking at the deaths, right? So we we are we are constantly bombarded with these numbers of how many people are dying. Now, 
if you look at the statistics, I mean, it's pretty clear or it seems clear so far that the people who are mostly dying are like over 70 years old, over 80 years old. Um, but even then, I mean, say a couple people die and they are, you know, in their 20s, early 20s, mid 30s, kind of middle aged. Oftentimes they do have pre-existing health conditions. Now there are cases of people who don't, and we're not saying that these people don't get the virus and die, but it seems that the numbers are definitely being pumped up. There's, there's no real way all the numbers are definitely, the number taking is biased in and of itself. There's a few different reasons for that. But the thing that I keep coming back to is, is the amount of people who are in genuinely, or who are, who are in genuine need in terms of healthcare, who are being pushed pushed aside and are potentially dying because of that. Yeah. Okay. So these are no, these people are not being factored in to you know to the to the number of people killed by the coronavirus. Yeah. Actually, there are untold numbers of individuals who are having their um, appointments cancelled. They're mm-hmm. having their treatment delayed. They are the people who are genuinely in need and are reliant on healthcare services. And these are the people who are actually suffering. Now, you know, how many people will die because of, you know, having their service shut down or having the ambulances delayed or having the hospitals, you know, kind of filled up is is impossible to tell. But I suspect in a year or so, you know, the numbers are not going to look good. It's... Um, yeah. Don't blame it on coronavirus. Well, there was... Uh... There was a hospital in Sarasota, Florida, who put a lot of its employees on furlough because of the lack of patients to see. Um, people are not having surgeries or visiting their doctors for their regular checkups because of this issue that's going on, and they don't have any work to do, so they put them on furlough. Although, alternately, <laughs> um, throughout history, like in doctor strikes, they've noticed that when doctors go on strike, the number of deaths go down. So <laughs> I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, people are notoriously being overtreated and mismanaged with their health care. It might be a good idea for them to take a break from the medical system for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a re- that was a really good point, because actually, <laughs> you know, medical was it iatrogenesis. Yeah. The amount of uh, people who die every year from from kind of uh, medical malpractice, mistakes, and then just the side effects of drugs and, yeah. and kind of unnecessary treatments. We've spoken about them multiple times on the show before, right? It's like, yeah. well, actually, if you balance out the numbers, you know, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps two years, two, two, two weeks of, of, of kind of being away from, from the medical doctors, maybe exactly. that will actually balance out with the coronavirus numbers. Perhaps you, you know, the Western population will probably be in a better position. We might actually end up with less deaths overall. Um, yeah. That's a bit of a controversial view though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so many people being saved from their doctors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess all we can do is not to be a pessimist, but come on. <laughs> Anybody Not who's a whole read lot about of positive spin on this. Yeah, <laughs> World War II and revolutions and plagues and all that stuff. I mean, civilizations fall. That's just the way it is. Uh, I don't have much hope, but <laughs> I'm. I don't feel 
distressed about it. Knowledge is power. We've been doing this yes. show for quite a long time. We've had to do a lot of research on, you know, various different health topics and social issue topics for a very long time. I mean, to think that nothing like this would be possible, at least for us, I could say is, I'm, I don't think any of us thought that, you know, we would sail through the rest of our lives and never see a major crisis of some sort. Yeah, that's true. I guess one plus side is that people now have the opportunity to go through our whole back catalog of shows. There are so many good objective health episodes that uh, can be caught up on right now. And don't forget about our old show, Health and Wellness Show. Yes. We've got outside. about 5,000 hours of that. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, in all fairness, it, for those with the eyes to see it who might have been aware of this, you know, alternative information for the past, I guess, two decades, longer than that, you know, there have been many a, a person who has, you know, warned people of this, warned that actually, although... You know, it's easy to run along with normalcy bias and, and to assume that everything is going to remain the way that it is currently. Um, you know, societies do collapse. Civilization does collapse. And, it, you know, there's there's quite good reason to think that, well, as we've been saying for many years, right, our, the West, at least Western civilization, the Western world, particularly the US, Western Europe, you know, when you look at the signs of society, you look at the economy, you look at the politics, there have been many indicators that actually we're on the brink of collapse anyway. Historically, mm. there are, you know, several different characteristics that, you know, I guess characterize a collapsing civilization. And, and very much, at least in the Western world, we, we fit many of those criteria. You know, we, we've kind of been trying to document that stuff for like the past five years. But if you, um, you know, if you if you if you have the eyes to see and you're and you're actually watching what's going on in the world, then you know it's something that everyone needs to kind of come come to terms with. Um, mm -hmm. That likely we are going to be seeing changes in the future, very likely in the near future. Um, and it's important to try to keep your head straight and to try to map how you're feeling and what you're seeing with objective reality, not get swept away in the hysteria along with the mind viruses, because there's many of them, um, mm -hmm. and actually try to continually search for the truth if, if where it's possible. Try to remain kind of as calm as collected as you possibly can in any situation. And, um, and yeah, and hopefully you will be in a better, better position to make the right choices at the right time. Um, you know, if, if things, if things change rapidly, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Very good advice, Elliot. Yeah. Well, one thing that I want to see if we can follow up on before we sign off for today. And of course I can't find it just considering the amount of news that's happening every day and how things change so quickly. But one thing that I noticed was the tone that some of these people in positions of authority are starting to take, like a, um, some of these health officials or law enforcement officials. Because, you know, 
it seems like now for the most part, it's all like smiles and yeah, we're in this together and, you know, stay home with me and cook with me, hashtag and blah, blah, blah. Like we're just one big happy family after we were just at each other's throats right before this started. <laughs> but it seems like in some of these press conferences, the tone in which they are speaking to people is getting gruffer and more authoritarian sound. And it sounds like you're being scolded by your evil stepdad or your evil stepmother. <laughs> so I'm going to like, see if I can continue to watch some of these press conferences and see just what they sound like and what kind of tone they're taking. Cause I find it, I find it kind of bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's how people will start to be like as the police state kind of yeah. advances. Yeah. And as the quarantines continue on, I mean, it's one thing mm -hmm. to be out of working in your home for a week or two weeks. Once we start getting into months, yeah, it could change rapidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Has anyone got any other anything else they'd like to say on this topic? I think enjoy think the show. We can. <laughs> yeah, sit back. Yeah, sit back and enjoy the show. I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a good way of looking at it. Um, yeah, Stra uh, strap your seatbelt in time, <laughs> right? Because it might not just be a show; it might be a roller coaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> exactly, and it's very possible that the roller coaster might go off the tracks. <laughs> Pretty much. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay then. Right. Well, if that's everything, uh, I want to say thanks to my co-hosts. Thanks, Damien, um, and. Thanks to our audience. Thanks for listening. If you like the show or you found it entertaining, you found it helpful, you know, like and subscribe. Press the red button. You can share it on social media or whatever. Drop us a comment if you've got any recommendations, if you've got questions, anything that you'd like us to talk about or that you think that we missed out on. Um, we always like to hear feedback. Other than that, I think that that's, yeah, I think that's everything. Um, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.